The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. I got my buddy John Fish here tonight. Uh, first off-season podcast for me. And uh, John and I both live in uh, Wisconsin. We both um, kind of follow the same teams. We both love to draft early, and uh, we both got a couple drafts at least under our belts. So we're just going to jump right into 2024 fantasy baseball talk here. Uh, but first, John, how you doing? Good, James. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Um, glad to have you on. Uh, this is uh, it's our time of year, man. Uh, your your time of year, especially you're you're doing uh, basketball drafts too, right? Yeah, I'm uh, deep in preparation for my uh, main event draft that's next Monday, I believe. So I'm looking forward to getting that season going. And like you said, we just finished up a couple of basketball drafts. I'm just following my football teams. I did a did my annual hockey team that uh, is just a, it's essentially just a donation. It just gives me something to, <laughs> something to cheer for. Keeps me off betting hockey. So. Um, yeah. So other than that, I mean, I'm just, uh, getting prepared for the, our wonderful winter that we're going to have here. Well, speaking of something to cheer for and a wonderful winter, uh, how are you feeling as a, as a Bucks fan about the Damian Lillard era? Um, I'm, I'm pumped. I got a Bucks sweatshirt on. How are you feeling? Um, I mean, it's exciting, right? Like you're not going to ever be unhappy that you get a player of Damian Lillard's caliber, but um, it's going to be great offensively. The pick and roll between him and Giannis is going to be pretty much unstoppable. Uh, let's just hope for a healthy Chris Middleton this year, and if Brooke Lopez can stay healthy, they're going to they're going to they can compete with anybody. Where they're going to lack a little bit, though, I feel like is the defensive end. Uh, you know, just losing a player like Drew Holiday, you got to give up something to get something, though. So you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, they're already pretty good defensively, uh, other than you know. Guarding the three, they've kind of uh, not been very good, and now they're probably going to be a little bit worse. So, going to need some other players to step up defensively for sure. But offensively, uh, I, I think they're the best in the league. Yeah, it's a exciting new era. Probably, probably only going to be a couple of years, maybe. Um, but hopefully, they can get one more title. Uh, Bucks are Bucks are the team I follow the the closest to the team that I probably would say I'm the most like a diehard fan with still. Um, so really excited for this Bucks season. Um, all right, but that's that's enough of uh, fantasy basketball, Milwaukee Bucks talk. Let's give the people what they came here for. Uh, 2024 fantasy baseball talk. Uh, Fish, how many I, I've done? I think I've finished. I'm about to finish my third uh, $150 draft champions on NFBC, uh, the one that you and I are both in. That's still finishing up. Um, the, the too early meatball uh draft champions uh were you just in that other one that we were in together or are you in any others no that's it just those two uh for now i'm probably gonna cut back again on dcs this year but i am going to ramp up the the gladiators once those <laughs> kick off here in november so that's gonna be my uh my, my drug of choice essentially yeah. for uh for, for for drafting fantasy baseball because i'm looking forward to that november december and then you know I'll, we'll see how things are going we'll see if uh you know i might get the itch as usual for for a couple dcs but uh, i'm gonna try to hold off as much as possible so yeah just these two are the the, uh, the one we already completed and one that's about done is uh is it so far 
Yeah, the gladiators are kind of like the the high noon of uh, of uh, fantasy baseball drafts. Uh, good way to kind of scratch that itch in a, in a responsible way. Um, yeah. So what's your what's your process like for the first slow draft of the year? Like you know, not necessarily counting the the meatball one because you and I were in another one that wrapped up seemingly before this this meatball one really kind of got into the mid rounds, but just that first one we both did, uh, I think it finished in less than a week. Um, do you do, a, are you doing a ton of prep just for that first one? I kind of find myself sort of using that first one to do my prep um, for future drafts. Uh, how do you kind of go about that? Yeah, that's, I'm the same way. Um, anybody who says they're like prepared for these drafts is, <laughs> is they're lying. Um I mean, you can be prepared, I guess, a little bit, you know, for the early rounds. But, you know, once you get in the middle rounds and late rounds, it's you're, you're researching as you're going. So like when I'm not on the clock, I'm usually spending that time looking up guys and uh, adjusting my cue and, and doing things like that. Um, but as far as like, you know, my draft strategy, it really it just basically always stays the same for the early rounds. Like I want a couple aces. I want to get at least a closer. I want stolen bases with players that do other things. So, mm-hmm. you know, hence the uh, the aces and bases thing where I kind of, uh, you know, there's certain positions that I usually, you know, push back a little bit. It's usually first base. It's like something that's, you know, a lot of those guys do the same things. Three categories, maybe get a little bit of batting average with it, but they're mostly, you know, 30 home run hitters and 100 RBIs. And you can get those uh, like pretty much everywhere in the draft. So, yeah, it's uh, as far as my draft strategy, it all basically just it's, it stays the same. But in, in preparation, it's it's as you go. So, um, you know, it's good. To, it's good to do a couple drafts right away at the end of the season, in my opinion, because you still have players fresh in your mind. Like if I would have waited a month, I would have kind of lost track of who's been hot lately and things like that. I'd have to like really, really research to uh, to do things like that. So do you enjoy sort of the unknown aspect of doing these these first ones where there there really isn't that adp and you just you know especially the first one you know it's anyone's guess where where some of these guys are going to go do you kind of enjoy that unpredictability of it uh i do and i don't i can you know i i like having no adp because you know maybe you there's some guys that i like that are going to go way later than they should are going to when there is ADP and like everybody's got a fresh in their mind and can see and we can really prepare and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, on the other, on the flip side of things, like you can have, you can have time to prep when there is ADP, you can pick out, you know, deficiencies and stuff like that. So I like both. I would never do all of my DCs like now and then right. be done the rest of the year. Like that would never do that. So I, I can see both sides. It sounds like you're, you're probably more, you're going to just be kind of consistent on the same sort of roster building techniques from now through February, March. Um, did, I, did I kind of hear that correctly? Or do you change anything up as we get closer to opening day? Uh, player wise, some things can change, but generally sure. what they do is it, it stays relatively uh, similar. Again, I like to get stolen bases early because generally those players are good players they're like they're not going to lose playing time they don't hurt you in other categories i'm going to get the power hitters that don't don't run at all later um Mm -hmm. with the exception of a couple guys like jordan for example that i took in in the meatball draft because i drafted towards the back end um a guy that if if it's a power hitter who can give me an elite average then i'm okay with it um not not a first baseman though again uh I, I don't think there's any first baseman I'm ever going to take really in the first uh, three, four rounds. Um, I just don't see it. So, but um, yeah, generally speaking, I want a couple aces. I want a closer and, you know, kind of, kind of go from there. So Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper, even the guy, those guys that can steal some bases at first base, not, not in the mix for you. Yeah. If they can steal some bases, I mean, you got to consider Freddie Freeman because he's going to hit for that elite average and yeah, he's going to chip in some stolen bases. Um, I feel like Bryce Harper is going to gain outfield eligibility eligibility next year. So yeah. I'm totally fine with somebody like that. Um, obviously it's great that he can get first base as well. So just that flexibility, especially in draft champions leagues. 
So yeah, th- those guys are those two are definitely not off my board because they they do run. But players like Matt Olson, there's a zero yeah. percent chance I'm yep. taking Matt Olson. I mean, he's coming off an absurd career year. It's not, if you look at all the underlying stats, it's not even close to his other seasons. Um, so something like that is going to be uh, just kind of crossed off my board. Yeah, I mean Matt Olson. Um, I just I didn't know where he was going to go necessarily in these, uh, but then once I sort of saw that he is kind of you know late first, early second, um, kind of easy to sort of steer away from him. Um, mm-hmm. The the one thing I kind of do, I, I you know this, I don't even know if this has been backed up necessarily, um, but I I do kind of use a little. I might take one fewer high-end SP in the first six rounds or so than I would in mid-March, just because I, I'm I'm sort of trying to protect against getting to opening day with like multiple injured starters that I used a high pick on, just because guys do get hurt every year in spring training, and I just kind of want to maybe be a bit stronger offensively. Um, than I would be in like, but that, that also is sort of a DC versus like a main event type of um, thing that, that changes as well for me, where I'm, I'm probably going more hitter heavy in the DCs uh, than I would for, for a main event league um, just based on, you know, my, my history in terms of what it, what it usually takes to kind of be competitive in those leagues. Yeah. And you could get pitchers generally a little bit later in the DCs than in March, because they all get pushed right. up so high. So um yeah, it's it's you can build a little bit more depth, I feel like, as well in DCs. Um, especially, you know, somebody like he was good with prospects with how many prospects are coming up these days. Um, you know, loading up on starting pitchers is a little bit easier in DCs um than it is in main event with with main event, everybody's getting pushed up. So yeah. All right. So I just shared the super early ADP here for, for anyone who's watching uh the video stream. Um I thought it would be just just good for for everyone listening to kind of just get a sense of of where things are here. Uh, all of the the sort of premium five category hitters, or maybe you know four and a half category, but guys that could steal fifty bases like Bobby Witt. Uh, you have those guys pretty much taking up the first, I'll say nine spots here. ADP was uh, Acuna, Julio Rodriguez. Bobby Witt, Mookie Betts, Kyle Tucker, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Corbin Carroll, Fernando Tatis. And then you got Aaron Judge, Matt Olson, before we get to the first pitchers, um, Spencer Strider, Garrett Cole at, at 12 and 13, and then Bryce Harper and, and Jose Ramirez kind of rounding out uh, the first round. And this is through two NFBC draft champions. I know there are probably some uh, best balls drafting on other sites. Um, but we're just kind of going to focus on the, the NFBC ADP here. Um, everyone's putting, you know, $150 per entry on the table already for these. So um, I think it's interesting, even though it's only two, it's only a sample size of two. Uh, but does that, does that kind of jive with where you think things should be with just those, those nine hitters before I got to Aaron judge there at 10, where, you know, realistically they can get you all five categories you know, again, like maybe, maybe Bobby Witt's not hitting quite as high of an average as these other guys. But when you look at what he does um, from a power speed standpoint at shortstop, definitely makes a lot of sense that that he would be high in that mix. Yeah, for sure. This is uh, this is exactly the issue that I ran into with the the meatball draft when you draft at the back end. I, just the way I like the draft again, getting stolen bases early, it's tough to do at the back end. Um, at least in August, it was. <laughs> um, obviously, you know Bryce Harper is uh, is is available there. Uh, I don't know how much longer he's going to be available there. The, I mean, the way he's hitting this postseason, he's just going to continue to climb. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked to see him going in the in the middle of the first. Um, you know, J Ram, it's it's looking like he's kind of slowing down a little bit. Uh, you know, compared to his you know last couple years, so. He he's a possibility down there. Meatball draft. He went earlier. Um, yeah, as far as the pitchers, 
there's no way Strider and Cole are going to last that long in March. There's right. just, there's no, no way. Um, those guys are both going to move up as far as who else moves up though for pitchers. I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, maybe Luis Castillo moves up. Uh, maybe we see Corbin Burns up there in the, in the second. I don't think I see any of those guys in the first though. Burns, Wheeler, Castillo, um, I think those are going to be the second round is going to be loaded with pitchers, I think in March, but I think Strider and Cole are going to remain in the first round. Right. Yeah. I think uh, Strider and Cole probably move middle first. Um, you know, maybe if some people take in Strider top three um, in some drafts in March and then, yeah, I think Luis Castillo, um, Zach Wheeler, maybe Kevin Gaussman, maybe um, Zach Gallen. I, I think is is a very fine second rounder come March. Um, we'll see what happens with Burns. Maybe maybe he gets traded. Maybe he doesn't. Um, I want to ask you though about Ellie De La Cruz. So he's sitting there, uh, I guess, with the twentieth twentieth ADP right now. So he's kind of going early to mid second round. Um, as we get you know, closer to opening day, do you see yourself getting comfortable with the idea of using Ellie as part of that aces and bases strategy? If you're not picking in the the first say 10 picks or so, and you're, you're trying to figure out a way to get those steals on board uh, with a late first round pick. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I did take him in the meatball draft, but I paired him with, with Jordan because right. again, if I'm, if I'm trying to get stolen bases at the back end, um, you know, Ellie, Ellie's a great guy for that, but obviously Ellie has his deficiencies. Batting average is going to probably, probably give me a little bit of a disaster, but in that park, in that lineup, I think you're looking at four rock solid categories. I think he's going to, I think if he's healthy all year, he's going to steal 50 bases like pretty easily. I think he's going to hit 25 home runs and then the counting stats should be good in that lineup. So you know, you're just kind of looking at the batting average uh, as an issue. So if you're taking Ellie, you need to obviously take good batting average with him. So, you know, maybe a Corey Seager with him. Uh, if you're going hitter, hitter at the back end. If you're going pitcher and Ellie, it's going to be a little bit tougher because now you got to wait right. till the end of the third, you know. And then who are you looking at at the end of the third and fourth for batting average? You know, you got, you know, at least Garcia down there. He's not a batting average guy. No. A Rosa Reina's, you know, he's he's good, but he's not like an elite batting average guy. So it's, uh, you know, maybe if you get Altuve to slip there, it'd be a good guy to pair with him. But yeah, I think if you're going to take Ellie, I think you got to take him with a hitter hitter approach. Um, at least these are my initial thoughts. Um, yeah. At, at the back end of the first or middle, middle of the first. Yeah. I think I'm, um, I'm almost as careful with batting average as I am with stolen bases in those, like my sort of temp pole hitters. Uh, if I'm going to go hitter, I'm, I'm probably going hitter, hitter uh, in these DCs, these early DCs. And you definitely want to get, you, you know, you don't want to get two no steals guys. Like I, I wouldn't want to go like Seager, Jordan necessarily, or Seager, Austin Riley. Um, but you know, batting average is with the amount of guys that you can get, like when I'm putting my rosters together, it seems like almost everyone except for maybe the catchers and one or two of my corner guys, almost everyone has a chance to steal double digit bases. Um, just kind of the way that the game is moving and just the types of players I know I'm going to be targeting in the middle rounds. Um, so having that batting average base like this is the chance to do it. Those, those first couple picks, um, this is where you get those, those premium batting average guys are going to help uh, in the other categories. So that's a really good point about Ellie. Uh, I, I think he, I think his ADP is going to stay kind of in this area, this sort of um, mid second, early second range, just because people are just going to salivate over the counting stat upside here. Uh, I do think there are some similarities to Ellie de la Cruz and Bobby Witt, um, what would that have been like two years ago now where, where Bobby Witt was kind of going at the, the one, two turn. Um, and people are sort of unsure where exactly the batting average was going to settle. But if you do take Ellie, uh, you know, going in that, you know, him hitting two thirty is in play. 
and it just really would set you back uh, when competing with everyone else in that category because you're either going to be behind, either you're going to have to take a guy specifically to offset his batting average, or you're going to just fall behind on pitching. Yeah, this Ellie reminds me a lot of of Bobby Witt in the last year drafts uh, draft season. Um, you know, people saying he wasn't a first round pick. Yeah, we have to realize the, Witt was a rookie. You know, last year. Ellie was a rookie this year. These guys aren't finished products. So right. if you already have that huge, you know, bad um, uh, home run, the power speed, you know, combo, like it's not, these guys are going to get better. Like there's their first taste of major league baseball. So they're going to get better. And we just saw it with wit this year and wits. I think wit probably wits going to be pretty much locked into a top five or six pick. Yeah. Um, and I think I think Ellie has that potential as well. Now we'll see. His K rate is it's, it's got to get a little bit more under control, but um, he just hits the ball so hard. And mm-hmm. in, in that park, it's just gonna. I don't know. I think that the, he can withstand a little bit of a you know a, a bad K rate uh, and still be somewhat productive. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits two fifty. So yeah. And, uh, and like with Bobby Witt, Bobby Witt might still be getting better, right? Like, you know, he, he could, um, you know, he could have the best year of his career, which is saying a lot for a guy coming off of the season he had. Um, Ellie, I, you know, he's someone who every off season he get, he gets a little bit better. Uh, he puts the time in, um, you know, very just kind of well-known as, as like a, a hard worker, um, so I think like, I wouldn't look at what Ellie put up this year with his K rate and be like, well, that's what he's going to be next year. And I think the sneak, the sneaky thing with him is, um, he's really just scratching the surface from a power standpoint. Um, you know, the, the exit velocities and the, and that home park and the, the home run totals he put up in the minors. Uh, like I think eventually he is going to be a 40 homer guy. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of when that comes. Um, so Ellie, like I said, he has got the 20th highest ADP. Um, the rest of the second round, it's it's Jordan Alvarez at 16, Corey Seager, uh, Luis Robert, uh, Juan Soto, Ellie, Austin Riley, Bo Bichette, Pete Alonzo, Raphael Devers, Ozzy Albies, Shohei Otani, Gunnar Henderson, Vladimir Guerrero, Royce Lewis, and Francisco Lindor. And that's the entire second round. Zero pitchers there. Um, from an ADP standpoint. So it's just 15 hitters. Uh, anything jump out to you with those 15? Um, you know, we've got kind of a fresh face and in, in Gunnar Henderson up there, Royce Lewis, obviously people, uh, you know, excited with the way he finished the year and, and the way he showed out in the, in the twins brief uh, postseason run. Uh, you still got Otani uh, in the top two rounds, even with the, the Tommy John, uh, the fact that he'll he'll be a DH only next year. Um, Bo Bichette kind of stopped running um, to a large degree this past season. He's still kind of going pretty high. Any, anything jump out to you with those 15 hitters in the second round? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Royce Lewis, I don't think he's going to go that high, um, you know, moving forward. But I guess you never know. It, 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 people are all hyped up because, you know, obviously he finished the season really strong and um, had a nice little postseason there. Uh, but, yeah, I don't I don't think we'll see Royce Lewis going that high. I think, we're, again, I think we're going to see a lot of those pitchers go in that second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gosman, Gallon, Burns, Wheeler, Castillo. I think those guys are all – candidates to go there uh one thing that's interesting is no closers first two rounds and you know not that it's a i I don't i don't hate it um but you know usually we do see closers go in the second round Uh, i think felix bautista if he never would have gotten hurt would have would have for sure went up there i think he'd have been the number one closer off the board um but yeah i think that uh you know it's, it's interesting to look at right now with with no pitchers in the second round. It'd be interesting to see uh, like one month from now what that second round is looking like. Yeah, it's it's kind of like there's just this group of hitters that everyone is very confident in. And I do, I do think there's going to be a wide range of where Royce Lewis goes draft to draft. Like I think, you know, every week when we get into the thick of it, he'll be going in the second round in some drafts, but he could go in the fourth or fifth round, I still think, in, in some drafts too. Um, but in general, those those kind of known hitter names, I think a lot of these people are just trying to get that base of hitting. And you mentioned the, the closers. Um, you know, we got about, like, you know, I don't know, eight to 12 or so, I, I would say, really sort of, trustworthy closing options at this stage of the calendar. And so you don't want to be that person who takes the closer towards the end of the second round. And then nobody else takes a closer until the end of the third round. Um, You kind of, you know, you sort of feel like you uh, didn't use your, your, your picks correctly. Um, There's probably most people I think picking kind of late second think there's a, there's a decent enough chance they can still get one of those closers when it gets back. Um, Is that, is that kind of your read on it? Because, you know, we do draft champions. This is where closers, um, they can go pretty high. Yeah. And this is, this is part of what's tricky about drafting with no ADP because you don't know how each draft is going to go. And if you look at our meatball draft compared to the draft, we just finished, it's just complete. It's completely different. Yeah. Um, but I think once ADP gets settled in, um, people will be a little bit more comfortable where to take this guy, where to take that guy, where to take this position, that position right now, if you're drafting on one of the ends, you don't want to miss out on a run and you don't know when that run's going to happen. So um, it can be tricky. Like if you if you want an early closer and you're drafted for the one or two spot and you don't take one of the first three rounds, by the time you, your pick comes around the end of the fourth, with no ADP, all the top closers could be gone because you could miss out on a huge run. And um, and that's the beauty about drafting with no ADP because you just don't know how it's going to go. And <clears throat> the two teams you've put together, that the two drafts that we're in together, uh, you ended up grabbing Alexis Diaz as your first closer in both, I think kind of, you know, around the fifth round or so. Um, and then you 
you kind of wait, you took some shots in the, in the mid to late rounds. I know in one, you got Craig Kimbrell as your second guy and the other, uh, you waited a bit longer. Um, is that a, <clears throat> is that an approach that you, you feel pretty comfortable with sort of seeing how those two drafts played out? Uh, well, it's, so again, these, these two drafts are very different how we drafted them. So the meatball draft, we did the first seven rounds, right. And I was drafted from the 13. So we drafted this back in August. So my plan here was to start the closer run. Um, so I went Rossell Iglesias actually in the third. At oh, the end I, of the third. I, I misread that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And Alexis Diaz in the, in the beginning of the, floor. Oh, you, Okay. Yeah. 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 And the whole, you know, the reason behind this is because after the seventh round ended, we waited, you know, until what was it like two months essentially <laughs> yeah. to pick back up. And I knew if I was able to get a bunch of closers off the board, that there would be a great player for me there in the, in the beginning of round eight. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different than, you know, just a straight 50 rounds in a row um with that strategy so i end up getting william Contreras as uh in the eighth round so um i think that's going to be close to as late as he's going to go with uh mm-hmm. with you know with two catchers so um yeah that was just kind of part of my strategy there and yeah i did get Kim- kimberl in that one i got him in the 18th round um i think he's going to close somewhere philly maybe or somewhere i mean he just had uh, a pretty ridiculous season so 3.26 era 104 whip uh, you know, 12.3 K per nine. So he was like vintage Kimbrel. Um, even lowered his walk rate a little bit. So I, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't plan on that again, but um, I think he's going to get another opportunity to close. I don't know where, but uh, yeah, I'll take him all day as my third closer in the DC. Um, but yeah, the other one. So the other one is just a little bit of a different strategy, basically. Um, okay. So the other one, I went three, I, I went Kyle Tucker in the first, and then I went three starters. So when it, I don't know, to me, this is kind of a a mistake that I see a lot. When somebody goes heavy with starting pitching, they kind of fade the closer. And I don't like to do that. So I went three starting pitchers and then I hit Alexis Diaz, but then I got to get caught up in hitting. Right. So I, you know, hammered hitting, uh, I don't know how many rounds it was, maybe 10 of the next 11 rounds with the starting pitcher in there. And then I took some shots later, um, you know, for, for some saves to get that second closer. Um, yeah, two different strategies, but um, I I think in DCs especially you have to get one one for sure closer. I think you just have to do it because um, obviously there's no pickup. So if, if you if you just fade closer, you don't know. Maybe maybe you get lucky and hit on a couple guys. I'd rather try to get lucky and hit on one. Um, but even if I don't, I still got one rock solid closer to get me you know middle of the pack and saves or so. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that's my strategy for, for closing. Yeah. And I was in uh, my most recent one. Um, I think it was like a one hour Mike the Mouth speedster draft. Uh, there was a there was a yellow brick road um, and just a run of closers uh, that just was was really kind of eye catching. So, yeah, I think that that run you know, late third, early fourth, I think is where you're going to see that run in a lot of these. Um, just from like an ADP standpoint, uh, through these first two uh, draft champions that NFBC's got in there. Yeah, Devin Williams, mid third, Manuel Classe, uh, Josh Hader, uh, he's going to be a free agent. I don't know if anyone's going to be scared off at all by that. Uh, but he's he's third among closers. Uh, Camilo Duvall, I think, is a I think he kind of established himself this year as, as an absolute elite option. Um, then Edwin Diaz, I really love Edwin Diaz bounce back, and I like Edwin Diaz a lot as a premium closer because I think the the strikeouts he gives you or potentially gives you um, can really help if you didn't if you didn't go two aces early going an ace and Edwin Diaz. I, I like that strikeout combination. Um, and then it's a while. Then it's, it's John Duran late fourth. Uh, we got Alexis Diaz, early fifth, David Bednar, late fifth, Rysel Iglesias, late fifth, uh, Jordan Romano, early sixth, Paul Seawald, Ryan Helsley, Andres Munoz, Ryan Presley, 
Then you're getting into like Pete Fairbanks, Adbert Alzale's going late seventh, Clay Holmes late seventh. So, you know, people kind of scrambling at that point that maybe missed out on a guy or just want to get their second guy. Uh, and then Evan Phillips in the, the eighth, Kenley Jansen in the eighth. And uh, to me, that's that's kind of the end of the guys I, I trust. Uh, and I actually, I probably like Jansen and Phillips more than, say, Holmes and uh, Fairbanks and Alzale personally. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Do you think, uh, do you see any kind of preferred targets? Do you, do you see any kind of rounds that, that sort of look like, like maybe a sweet spot there? If, if people are kind of wondering where to expect to go get their first closer. Yeah. I mean, I like Alexis Diaz right there in the fifth, um, you know, Bednar, I think he's a rock solid option. In the fifth Iglesias fifth, like that's yeah. to me, that's like the perfect time to, to strike on a closer. You, hopefully you got, two or three hitters. Hopefully you got an ace um, or, or two aces. And um, that's the perfect time to uh, lock in a closer, in my opinion. Do you, uh, do you have any concerns um, about any of these? It's kind of, I feel like there's sort of a changing of the guard, almost sort of a new wave of people that are getting treated like aces. Um, obviously we've, we've got some guys that have been doing it for a while. Castillo, Wheeler, um, Burns more kind of a, a mid uh, SP one um, gallon Gaussman. They've been doing it for a while, but you know, we got Framber Valdez with a third round ADP, George Kirby with a third round ADP, Logan Gilbert with a late third round ADP, um, Uri Perez, Tyler Glass now, you know, super high upside guys with, um, you know, maybe a bit more heightened injury risk, um, maybe durability risk with, with those guys. Uh, Freddie Peralta, Grayson Rodriguez, Blake Snell. Um, that's that's probably like the end of, of what I think people would maybe consider sort of like true SP1s, maybe Snell. I don't know if you want to count Tariq Skubal in there, uh, who hasn't really done it over a full season yet. But um, any anything kind of look off to you there with, with the way people are sort of saying these are these are this year's SP1s? Um, yeah, there's a few in here that I like George Kirby. I just don't think he has the case to be considered a, a true ace. I mean, he's obviously really good. Um, doesn't walk guys. So that's like it's my kind of pitcher. Um, I just don't want him as my ace probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Logan Gilbert's a little surprising to be up there. Uh, in my opinion, to me, he's, um, he's almost like a, I don't know, like a poor man's Aaron Nola, essentially. Like he's got a pretty good, pretty good whip um but the ear is just a little bit more bloated than you think it would be um yeah Tariq Skubal he I don't think he's gonna be a fourth rounder I mean uh, I think that's just a little little early there for him Justin Steele I don't know I'm probably out on out on that price tag as well Snell um I'm probably not gonna get any Blake Snell I I mean the would he lead the league in left on base percent and you know just all that kind of it was almost like a really lucky season for him through a lot of uh, a lot more innings than he normally does as well. Obviously the K rates there, but the walk rate is just insanely bad. So, you know, his whip's not going to be ever be very good essentially. So I'm probably going to be out on, out on Snell, but yeah, Luis Castillo, Wheeler, Burns, Gallon, Gossman, um, obviously Strider and Cole. I'm, yeah. I'm totally fine with all those guys. SP ones, Framber. I don't know. I, I was off on Framber this year. And for the first half of the season, he was uh, proving me completely wrong. But, you know, he kind of tailed off towards the end and, you know, that hasn't been very good in the playoffs. So I'm probably going to be out on for Amber as well. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, Blake Snell, it it does feel, yeah, come you know, going into free agency, coming off of this this big year where it seemed like a lot of things went right. Um. I don't know. I mean, I don't hate the price. Like if he's going late fourth, he's, he could give you a ton of K's. Um, but I, I don't really, I don't know where are you at. I, I, I've kind of found myself being more and more hesitant to grab um, free agents uh, in, in a lot of cases. I think, you know, maybe in the case of like Aaron Nola, I could see like a, an argument kind of on the flip side, just because there's a chance he just has a much better defense behind him next year. Um, 
but I I do like with Hater with with Snell. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any more free agents here. Um, I'm just a little iffy about paying kind of close to full freight without knowing which park they're going to pitch in, you know, without knowing whether they just happen to kind of time a, a great year right before signing a, a big contract. And, you know, we, we see it a lot of times with, where guys go to a new situation that takes, you know, maybe a half season for them to kind of find their footing. Yep, absolutely. hundred um, um, percent. I don't think it's going to matter as much for hater just because, you know, being a closer, sure. You just got to go out there and get three outs and, you know, he's been able to do it in Milwaukee. He's been able to do it in, in uh, San Diego. So I don't, I don't see it as too much of an issue for him and he's going to close wherever he goes. I would be shocked if he went somewhere and it wasn't the closer. Yeah. Um, so I'm not as concerned about hater, but yeah, Blake Snell, um, just going to be completely out. Uh, going back to glass now real quick. I don't consider, I wouldn't, he is an ace, but I probably wouldn't want to draft him as an ace. I need like a big innings guy to go with him. So if I t- if I get something like Garrett Cole in the first, and I'm able to get Glass now in the fourth as my SP two, all day like that's that's right there is where um, what I'm looking to what I would be looking to do if I had Glass now. Did you that. did you pull that off in the meatball one? Am I remembering that right? Um, no, was that no Dupont okay. Dupont. Uh, oh right, Dupont. Not, yeah, that's not right. Cole. Not Cole, obviously. Yeah, but. yeah. Uh, <laughs> obviously, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, glass now. Um, I think, I, I think glass now, Uri Grayson, I think they're kind of similar to me where it's just mega upside. Um, I, you know, we haven't seen Uri Prez or Grayson Rodriguez need Tommy John surgery yet, but they both are very young and throw very hard. So, like I, I do think there's a greater chance that one of those two get Tommy John um, early this season than you know, one of the older guys like a Zach Gallon or Luis Castillo, someone like that. But um, Glass now, you know, in a DC too, uh, even if he only gets you, I don't know, 135, 140 innings, he gives you so many Ks per start. Um, you, know, you might be able to kind of uh, whenever, you know, whenever he's getting skipped or on the IL, hopefully with something minor, um, you just plug someone else in. But, um, you know, again, by the time we get to March, but even February, I think most of these guys are probably going earlier. Um, but right now I don't mind glass now in the fourth, um, just given the, the upside. I mean, I don't know. Do you think it's, have you just kind of seen enough with him that it's sort of like, you're not even entertaining the idea that he goes like 155, 160 innings. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I, I, my ACE, I want me to give me, I want to give me 200 innings. Right. Um, Just the impact on the, on the ratios is so much obviously more when you have a 200 inning guy as opposed to like 130 inning guy. Uh, The K's I'm not really concerned about the K's with, with glass. Now those are going to be there um, even with only 130, 140 innings. Um, so I'm not really concerned about the K's when I take somebody like Glass now. It's just the impact of my ratios uh, in terms of my whole my whole starting pitching staff. It's just not going to have as big of an impact if it's only 130 innings as opposed to 200 innings. Um, that's why I like him as my SP2 with somebody who is going to throw 200 innings. Um, somebody like Gary Cole, like I mentioned. Uh, like Strider, obviously Strider, strikeout upside and – in class, now strike on upside. It's the, the, the it would be insane. But what are you going to get out of those guys? Three hundred innings total, you know, like yeah. Um. So it's it's just uh it's yeah it's just that's personal preference. I just like the I like my ace to be a a high inning guy. So so the five hitters again. We talked about all all these starters, all these closers going in rounds three, um, three and four, the, the five hitters going in round three so far, Marcus Semyon, Michael Harris, Jose Altuve, then Nolan Jones, uh, not under the radar anymore going in the third round. Uh, and then CJ Abrams. Um, I, I like getting Semyon and Altuve there. Um, I kind of just from the, I've done three of these so far. I ended up finding that second base to me, not only does it lack the truly elite kind of first round caliber guys uh, that you see at every other position uh, other than catcher, but uh, 
I do think second base falls off uh, first of the non-catcher positions personally. So I, I love getting Semyon or Altuve there in the third. Um, Michael Harris, I think the way he finished the year, uh, you know, there's going to be the questions about where he bats in the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really like the way he came on um, over the final four months or so. And then C.J. Abrams, I think I think this is good value on Abrams going into third. Uh, personally, I, I just think what he gives you from a stolen base standpoint, uh, the plate appearances, and then I, I think he he's kind of still coming into his own. Like I, I don't think we have seen peak C.J. Abrams, the hitter, the big league hitter, yet. Um, it was a breakout year, but – um, I, I like that value on, on Abrams in the third. What what do you think about Jones though? And and do you have any um, counter counterpoints on any of those other guys? Uh, you know, it's these this group of hitters is pretty interesting. As you got Semin and Altuve that are just you know veterans, rock solid. We've seen it time and time again. And then you got uh, you know Harris, who was a big fade for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and then struggled for like the first half of the year, and then came on strong. It was awesome. Um, and again, to your point, the batting, uh, where he's going to hit in the lineup. That's a great point because he's not going to hit in the top without an injury. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, the Braves lineup is just too loaded, but he's also going to get just as many at bats as some people, some people who do hit in the third, you know, uh, hit third or fourth for, you know, some poorer teams just because that lineup is so good. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. And then, yeah, Nolan Jones and, and Abrams, uh, Jones, it's probably going to be out at that price, but. I can't, I don't really have anything negative to say about him. I mean, yeah. He's yeah. in Colorado and he was ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I need to see a little bit more of a track record. CJ Abrams, I do agree with you. I think this is a, this is, I think this is where he's going to settle in, uh, third mm-hmm. round. Um, he's like the perfect guy to get if you don't get your speed earlier. And even if you do get your speed early, um, he's probably going to hit the top of the lineup or, you know, one or two, depending what they do with, uh, I think Lane Thomas is still going to be there next year. Isn't he? Or is he a free agent? Yeah, no, he'll be there. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be those two, one and two. And, um, you know, CJ Abrams didn't he hit towards the bottom of the lineup pretty much the whole first half of the, of the season. It's kind of frustrating because I had him on a couple teams, but yeah, he, he took off. He, we, we, he's shown what he's able to do. Right. And, um, now he just needs to do that over a full season. So he's um, he's the type of player that I wouldn't be surprised if he is going in the first round in 2025 drafts. I think he's uh, he's got yeah. that ability. Yeah, and I mean, I obviously I do the, the prospect stuff, um, and it really wasn't that long ago that everyone was talking about Bobby Witt and C.J. Abrams together from their draft classes, these, these crazy – um, five tool shortstops, and obviously Wit kind of came into his own quicker. Um, but Abrams, you know, he's he's always just sort of had this potential to be an extremely fantasy friendly player. Um, the thing with you know with Harris, uh, I should have this up, but I I want to say he hit over like he he's had long enough stretches in his very short. Um, big league career of being around a 300 hitter um, kind of reminds me a little bit of sort of like peak Tim Anderson where it's it's a very high batting average even though the swing decisions aren't amazing um, and I think it, it it is very appealing if you can get a guy who's going to be 20 plus homers maybe 30 plus steals and be a major help in batting average like that's just so hard to find so you kind of have the batting average um competing with the the runs and rbi aspect of of where he hits in the lineup there um i you know i uh, yeah i i like josh Lowe a little bit in that in that same respect although i you know i know a lot of people are just not going to want to take a potential platoon bat um that high but uh, I'm kind of buying what he did last year more than I'm, I'm selling it. Um, and you can get him in the, the fifth round right now. Christian Yelich, kind of a, a, a more boring version of that that archetype of player. He's going in the fifth round. Um, two guys that I, I wanted to highlight that I just am absolutely not touching uh, where they're going. 
um, from strictly a roster construction standpoint are Luis Arias, who uh, with the Marlins, who's going middle of the fourth round. And then Asturi Ruiz with the A's, who's going middle of the eighth round. Um, I'm just not touching them because if you take Arias, you're that that's your batting average. Like he's the guy that that's going to make you compete in batting average. And then you're going to draft a bunch of guys later who aren't going to hit for that high of an average because you have Luis Arise there. And then if Arise gets hurt, that, that whole plan goes up in smoke. Um, Asturi Ruiz, similar reasons, but a little bit different. Just you're, you're falling so far behind. If you're taking a guy who's going to be hitting in that horrible, horrible lineup um, and giving you next to nothing in power, like you're just, falling so far behind in home runs, runs, RBI. Uh, he's not helping your batting average. So you get all those steals, but there's no guarantee Esther Ruiz is playing every day all season next year. And then again, if he gets hurt or if he gets demoted, you were supposed to be getting 70 steals from this guy. And that went into the way you built your roster. And now you're getting you know half that or something. So those two guys stood out to me as just not touching them. Um, wouldn't have probably really even mattered what, where their ADP was, but uh, with Arias going in the fourth, Ruiz going in the eighth, pretty easy fades for me. Yeah, Ruiz, I mean, both of them are easy fades for me. I wouldn't take either one of those guys in the first 20 rounds. I'll just point that out. <laughs> um, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, Arise, like he would need, for me to take him at this point, he would need to hit like 500. <laughs> um, you just, you're not getting any speed. What do you have? 10 home runs. Uh, you know, RBIs aren't there. Like, it's just, he's essentially a one category player and it's a category and he's obviously good at it. He's a very good hitter. Um, but what if he hits 300, you know, that's still good, but it, like he needs to hit like an absurd batting right. average, um, to earn that, earn that spot, uh, from, from my, for me drafting, uh, Ruiz is going to be an easy fade at this price. Um, Again, this is why I attack stolen bases early with with good players, yeah. and um, so I don't have to chase speed with somebody like Asturi Ruiz. Not here, not in the eighth round. Um, I had a few shares last year, but it was like all, <laughs> all really, really late. Um, yeah, that that lineup, uh, you're not going to get any power, and the, ob- the obvious risk of demotion. So it's, um, yeah, it's just a, uh, it's those two players are easy, easy fades for me. Yeah, I mean, it's not – it's like if you can get Asturi Ruiz as a bench outfielder um, that you just kind of plug in when you don't have anyone better and you just assume he's going to give you like 30 steals when you're just kind of randomly plugging him in, that's one thing. But just the idea of taking him at a spot where he's in your lineup all season, in theory, uh, you're just – you're doing i think you're hurting yourself more than you're you're helping yourself um clearly i think we we agree on that yeah um now catcher uh you talked about how you know we didn't see any we haven't seen any closers with a a adp inside the top 30 uh through these two drafts and in fact uh no closers with an adp inside the top 40 uh you have to go all the way down to uh you know, early fifth round, Adley Rutschman shows up here. Uh, JT Real Muto. Um, Real Muto would not be my number two catcher. Uh, personally, I would, I think I'd go with William Contreras there, but um, seems like kind of later than normal. And then, so that, you know, we have Adley and JT, JTR in the fifth ADP from this early ADP. And again, I think, I think this will change a little bit, but uh, then you go to the seventh. You got William Contreras sitting there with an ADP of 99 through two drafts. Will Smith in the eighth round, the only catcher in the eighth round. Contreras was the only catcher in the seventh round. No, none, no catchers with a ninth round ADP. And then uh, Sean Murphy in the 10th. Uh, and then you then you have Wilson Contreras, Cal Raleigh, Yaner Diaz. Um, so then, then they start to come off in the, the 11th round a bit more. But um, do you think this just kind of speaks to – how that position has gotten a, a bit deeper than it was last year, or is it maybe just 
you know, none of these guys are just so special. You know, we're not talking about like a JTR who, who is a, a realistic threat to, to go get you 2020 with a, with a good batting average um, at this stage of his career. Is it just that there isn't that sort of special um, couple guys or just the, do you think the position is just a bit deeper? Yeah. The catcher position is interesting because we're losing, um, you know, MJ Melendez, uh, Dalton Varsho. Um, are both not going to be catcher eligible mm-hmm. um, this season. So we're losing a couple, but yeah, it does feel like it's got it's gotten deeper. You got Francisco Alvarez that came up for the Mets. Gabriel Moreno is um, is probably going to be one of my bigger targets, it looks like, uh, for where he's going. Uh, 12th right round now. for both those guys. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, the, you know, you got Selvi Perez is, you know, kind of on the, on the way out, essentially, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's just, uh, he's got a lot of miles on those legs. Will, I mean, Will Smith in round eight, that's, I would, I, I would have a hundred percent shares of Will Smith in round eight, if that's where he's always going. Um, I, yeah, I feel like, I feel like a lot of these catchers are going to move up as well, but, um, as it looks right now, yeah. Uh, Ali, Ali Rushman's definitely my, my number one catcher. Just I, I like the he plays pretty much every single day, so yeah. um, that's huge getting that from a catcher, and you know he's going to give you some a decent average. Um, obviously, tons of counting stats with the being in that lineup hits in a good lineup spot. So he's he's my clear uh, catcher one. I, we already talked a little bit about William Contreras. I love him. Uh, Will Smith again. I like him. JT Lomuto is it's interesting. I'd be fine still taking him. I don't know if I would take him in the fifth though. Um, I probably need to get a little bit more of a discount on that, but yeah, catcher seems like it's uh, it's it's really deep. I picked up Yiner Diaz in my main event this year as my catcher too. Um, I have Will Smith with it, so it's um, he. I obviously like him a lot. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, that eleventh, twelfth round right there. Like if if this is the way it always played out, I, I would be all over uh, two of Yiner, Francisco Alvarez, and uh, Moreno. Yeah, and I think it really is. I think the reason you're seeing these guys getting pushed down too is it is kind of a it's a position of runs, kind of like with the closer. And so, I think Adley's always going to go. I think in the vast majority of drafts, Adley's gone by the end of the fifth round. But then I think for at least until there's more kind of firm ADP about you know, where Contreras goes usually, where Smith goes usually. I think you're just going to see teams sort of waiting and being like, hey, like there's still so many good catchers available. Why am I going to be the guy who takes the third catcher or fourth catcher off the board when you've got all these awesome options that might be available in round 11, round 12? Um, Like Yaner Diaz, if he just plays, if he just gets kind of 500 plate appearances, I think it looks very, very similar to what we expect from Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel Moreno, obviously, just really breaking out. Uh, I was worried back in the day about how much power was going to be there. It looks like he's he's getting to that no problem. Um, I think Alvarez, the power he got to, so impressive. And then I think like he's going to have – like he's one of the slowest players in the game. So, you know, he may never hit for that high of an average, but I don't think he's going to be like a 215 hitter next year. And then I really like Bo Naylor as kind of the, the last of these guys to me that I really am excited to take at the catcher position personally, just because I think he can get you a double digit steals and, uh, I think the hit tool is ahead of schedule with Naylor. I think the playing time should be there for him. Um, so yeah, it, it is. It's pretty deep, and you know we'll see where these uh, ADPs rise. To. I, I do think they will rise a little bit with these draft champions. Just kind of the nature of the game. People like having uh, at least one really solid catcher, sometimes two. Um, but it's it's deep, and that's not even touching on guys like Jonah Heim and. Uh, you know, Logan O'Hoppy, uh, one mm-hmm. of your go, one of your go-tos, Tyler Stevenson, um, uh, Luis Campusano, another guy actually. Um, and you know, a lot of people probably switch into sort of football, football brain and, 
in uh, August, September. Uh, if you weren't paying attention, like Gabriel Moreno broke out, obviously people noticed that because of the postseason. Campusano really had a, a breakout over the final couple months as well. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler Stevenson, I just like him because he's, again, he's in that lineup in that park. Um, I'm hoping he can, he had a little bit of a, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if you want to call it a, a breakout, but a little bit of a power breakout, uh, you know, mid-teens <laughs> home runs. Um, and, and if he can try to match that with his batting average from the previous two seasons, like if we get something in the middle there, um, if we can put it all together, um, I do like him as my as a, a second catcher. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, catchers, it, it's definitely deep, um, deeper than in years past, it seems like. So we've touched on, you know, a lot of guys that are, that are household names, really. Um, you know, Esther Ruiz, he's a fantasy household name, um, even though he plays for the A's and is not very good at real life baseball. But uh, I wanted to get your take on just sort of where you sort of see the, the prospects, you know, for 2024, we we're coming off a year where, um, you know, especially if you had these guys in DCs, but you know, we saw so many people spend a, just a ton of their fab on prospects this past year. It seemed like more than in past years, it's it's becoming more and more of a young man's game uh, as these teams kind of all sort of copy each other and, and try to get as much production as they can from pre-arb players. Um, have you noticed? Does it seem like the the draft and hold crowd is getting more comfortable? leaving these drafts with like 10 prospects on a, on a 50 man roster. Um, like, have you noticed it maybe tick up compared to past years? And do you think that that is, if so, do you think that that is a, a good reaction? Yeah, I think uh, the contacted mid button um, got a nice workout in that draft that we did <laughs> um, with their having to add, I don't even know how many guys. Honestly, oh, there's probably there was probably like 20 to 25 guys I've never even heard of. So I have a lot of prep I need to do um with minor leaguers. I think a lot of people that's like you said, that's yeah. kind of how the game is shifting. There's so many teams are calling up guys. Um, a lot of people in their prep that are normally just prepping major leaguers, you're gonna have to dig into the minors a little bit too and see if there's um, you know, some guys down there you, you want to be in the fab leagues, you want to at least maybe have heard of uh, heard of them before they get called up, and then they're a <laughs> huge fab target. Um, so yeah, that uh, that that DC um, Derek was uh, hilarious in that chat because I mean, people that weren't in it don't understand. It was like yeah. every other pick contacted right. and <laughs> contacted right. and placeholder, placeholder, placeholder. <laughs> yeah, he initially in the email he sent us. Um, you know, he's kind of just giving us the, like, this is the first draft of the year. Like, we appreciate you guys. Like, if you want to add someone, email me. And I I emailed him for, like, my first three or four placeholders. But I just, I realized everyone was just going straight to contact admin. So then I just kind of <laughs> fell in line there. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was going to have to add those guys anyway. So we helped him kind of get them all out of the way in, in yeah. a four or five-day span there. Um but I, I wonder, you know, I think I think it might be worth it for some some of our listeners who, you know, if it if it's not broke, there's no need to fix it. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of people really focus on fab leagues only and, and it's kind of march or bust in terms of when they're doing their drafts. I do think it it might be a worthwhile exercise, even if you don't jump in a 150 DC or a 400 DC. Uh, to maybe get in one of these NFPC fifties just so you can kind of get a lay of the land and, and kind of familiarize yourself with the prospects who are going to make an impact in 2024. So that you're not sort of hearing about these guys for the first time in spring training. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that was a wonderful learning experience that, uh, that draft with all the, all the placeholders. Cause every, every time somebody said the name i was like all right i gotta go see who this is and i'd go look him up and oh he plays for this team he's in oh sweet he's in single a or <laughs> whatever and uh you know just try, getting getting to know um some of the guys obviously just hearing their names for the first time and then you know when i hear the name again and i'm another another dc or nfc 50 and you, you know these players get picked i'm like oh yeah i know who that is so it's uh yeah. it's a great learning tool for sure 
And I definitely got a little overexcited with my first Wyatt Langford selection of the season. Um, after doing the, you know, the great thing again, like, like we talked about at the very top, um, I think both of us kind of used our very first draft as sort of a, you know, prep exercise. And by the next one, I had a much better sense of, well, actually, you know, I can't justify taking Wyatt Langford over these guys. Um, I probably don't need to take them that early. Um, so I'm, I'm not taking um, necessarily all the prospects I took in that first draft as high in some ensuing drafts, just as kind of the board sort of crystallizes more for me in my head. But um, yeah, I, I actually do not. I know you don't know much about Wyatt Langford fish, but uh, I, I think he's a, a smash for me right now in the 10th round. Um, we'll, we'll see where that ADP uh, settles, but um, anything you want to hit on or anything you want to, Anything you want to promote or anything like that before we we sign off here tonight? No, I don't have anything to promote really. I think Ryan and well, I guess our, our podcast in the cut uh, fantasy sports podcast with Ryan Bonancio and I, we're going to start firing it up again. I don't know, probably shortly here. Um, getting back into some baseball, maybe in the next month or so. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we'll be doing that. So it's in the cut fantasy sports. Yeah, I love that pod. You and Ryan do a, a great job. Um, and you, it's it's kind of a draft season only type of pod. Um, it's it's cool and yeah, definitely excited to to hear you guys uh, talk twenty twenty four fantasy baseball. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to uh, my first of many uh, weekly off season pods here on the Rewire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com